joy and bootstraps Podcast that you really need Helping my black community Good vibes, good energy Black joy and bootstraps Talk financial literacy Love and education Wanna see my people elevated yeah. Welcome to the very first episode of Black Joy in Bootstraps. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez, and I am super excited about our guest today. Let me go ahead and just let it out really quick. Um, today we are talking about credit. What is credit? What it look like? What it means? Because every single time we start talking about it, I feel like there's a lot of um, empty spaces and blanks and we we need to know a lot more about it. So. Uh, I am excited to introduce our guest today, Shavada Frazier. She is a lifelong friend of mine. We've been friends for 22 years, I think, Shavada, is that right? A couple of decades. Yeah. We're like nine, 10 years old. Yep. So, I mean, we were on Pee Wee Drill Team together, y'all. So, if anybody is uh, from Mesquite or Texas, period, you should know all about Pee Wee football and drill teams. So, <laughs> there was, it, it's big stuff. It's important. Okay, y'all? Uh, so, Shavada. Shavada is from Dallas, Texas, born and raised. She is a true Southern belle. Uh, just to give a little bit about her, she after she graduated high school, she went on to the military. What branch of military were you in, Shavada? I was in the Army. Okay, so served 14 years in the Army, and now she is helping folks get their credit right all day long. So, can you please tell us a little bit about that, Shavada? How did you even get into fixing folks credit well like how did that even start yes definitely thank you for having me girl yes i could definitely talk about this all night and all day but we're gonna keep it cute and simple and sweet to you guys <laughs> <laughs> so the way i got into the credit repair industry is because during my time in the military i was a paralegal and so i worked in a jag shop for the entire 14 years that I was in the Army. Of course, working in a JAG office, you're going to end up helping soldiers do all kinds of things. The one thing that I didn't really expect to help soldiers do is maintain their credit and finances. So for those who do not know, you have to maintain a security clearance to remain in the active duty military, or even the reserve side for that matter. And credit and debt affect your security clearance. And you could actually risk losing your security clearance if you're not taking care of your credit. Wow. Yes, big deal. So needless to say, we ended up having to help soldiers quite a bit to restore their credit and help them get their debt under control so that they can maintain their security clearance, which is, you know, their livelihood to stay in the military and continuing to pursue their career and provide for their families. So you're telling us it's pretty safe to assume that if you have military clearance, that you probably got good credit. That's what you're telling us. I mean, it's safe. It's safe to assume that? Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. Um, Okay, so... Don't go asking your military family members to co for y'all, okay? Listen, you know we'll do it. I was reading, I was listening to this podcast and somebody said, you must have good credit. So, uh, you know we'll do it in a heartbeat. So, <laughs> so thank you for letting us know we probably shouldn't do that. But, uh, so I wanted to get into that, Shavada, because again, especially within our community, one of the biggest stumbling blocks that we have is credit, having good credit. I mean, we look at it and... So many of us are becoming more educated uh, where, you know, we download the Credit Karma apps and we have Experian and we're doing all these different things. But I just wanted to ask very basic questions today 
because I feel like we need to fill in some gaps, right? So first things well, first, what even is credit, Shavada? When we say, oh, you got good credit, you got bad credit, or when we see the signs that say good credit, no credit, bad credit, we accept you. What are we talking about? Like, what is credit? So for me, the easiest way to explain credit is that it shows how well you manage debt. You can look up every dictionary there is and probably still not fully understand what it means. But one thing that everyone can understand is the simple definition of credit is how a reflection of how well you manage debt. And so if you look at your credit score, the one thing that I try to teach my clients to do is not to just look at your credit score, but to look at your overall credit health, meaning your credit file. What type of accounts do you have? What kind of payment history do you have? And so forth and so on. Okay. So when you say how well we manage debt, right? In layman's terms, you're saying how often or how well we pay back the money that someone has given us. Does that make, is that making sense? Is that right? Yeah. Are you running off on the plug? Oh, are you running off on the plug? <laughs> Lord, because you know we'll do it. So when I say, Shavada, let me hold $200, you say, bet, Felicia, you can hold $200. And then I say, then I run off. That means that I don't manage debt well, right? But if I say, Shavada, I'm going to give you back your 200 on Friday and I actually give that back to you, that's kind of what credit is, right? It looks at it and says, okay, she borrowed this amount and she actually gave it back at the and in the time that she said she was going to. So that's what we're talking about today, right? Just paying. Exactly. And also, too, how, how well you manage a credit limit or a line of credit. Ah. You know, are you running that up just because it's available to you? Or are you using that line of credit responsibly and only utilizing what you need and what you know that you can handle paying back? Okay, perfect. We're going to get into that. And I mean, I'm excited to ask you questions all about that. So, but I want to start off with asking, because when we talk about credit, what's one of the biggest misconceptions, period, that we usually have about credit? Like, people usually think this when in actuality it's this. What are some of those things? One thing that I see commonly in the African-American community, and I am African-American, so I tend to speak to what I see from... Girl, they know everybody on this... They know everybody on this podcast black. So anyway, keep going. (laughs) Keep going. Is that once credit is damaged, they think it's permanent. So many times, and I know we all can attest to this, even we have said, I was just quitting on my credit. It's jacked up anyway. So the misconception that once your credit is damaged, there's no hope for repairing it is one that I try to tackle head on. Because if you don't even think that we can repair your situation or restore your credit, you're not going to understand the rest of what I'm trying to educate you on. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I I completely agree with that because I think there was a time when I also thought... um, you know, well, this has happened to my credit. So, I mean, with whatever, like it doesn't even matter. And then I learned later on, well, things only stay on your credit for a good seven years. And that was shocking to me because first of all, when after you've messed up your credit, any kind of way, be it a missed payment, a repo, a repossession, whatever it is, um, seven years still feels like it's a super long ways away. So in that time, what is it that we can do to build up I mean, now that we know that it's seven years, right, that things can drop off your credit, what can we do in the meantime 
that would help those things it once we've messed up so one thing that i highly suggest to everyone is monitor your credit reports that's the number one thing you can do to help yourself restore your credit if you just have in your mind that you know you let a a lot of things go into collections or be charged off and so i'm just not worried about my score i'm not looking at my score i'm not checking it or anything of that nature that's the wrong answer you need to be monitoring it because although you know that you have done these things and you've made these mistakes many times your credit reports are still being um reported inaccurate so that T-Mobile bill that you never paid could actually be showing up three to four times Whoa. on your credit report. Yet, you're just so oblivious to it because you're not even checking your credit because for a lot of us, I know me at one point in my life, that was depressing. I didn't want to mess up my day like that. Right. Looking at my credit report. I know, your whole day messed up. Now you're like, you know what? Screw this phone. I don't even give a damn no more. I don't even care. Now you're looking at a 550. You're like, ah, damn, why don't you... <sighs> fam, I don't even want to go out to eat no more. You just be mad. So I get that. I definitely get that. So adding on to that though, so we get that, okay, it's the amount of money that you pay back. We get that, you know, we've got this seven years to till something drops off. We can repair our credit. But what are the best things that people can do now? If you're 18 or if, you know, you just, you're just now starting out, what are some of the best ways to build up your credit right now? Oh, well, the best thing for parents, what I do in my household with my kids is we add them onto our credit cards. Now, be cautious with that. If you know that you're about to go buy those Beyonce tickets, whether it's going to max out your card or not, don't put your baby on that credit card, okay? That's setting him up or her up for failure. But for us, we know we manage our credit cards and things like that well. So actually, before our kids are even 18, they're going to walk out the door having credit when they walk out of our home so that right there is the number one biggest thing that parents can actually do to set their kids up to already have a great a plus credit score at the time they're walking across that high school stage getting their diploma shivada listen i am 32 almost 33 years old and do you know it was three years ago that i had a friend sitting in my living room and he told me, and this is, I'm just going to put a little plug in. This is why some of us need white friends because they be putting us on to stuff, right? <laughs> so I'm sitting here with my friend and his wife. And he says, oh, yeah, um, you know, Erica, I probably shouldn't name drop, but I'm going to because, you know, this is, how, this is who I am as a person. He says, Erica graduated with a 700-something credit score because her parents, when she was 16, they have good credit. So they added her onto their credit cards. And by the time she graduated um, high school, she had a super high credit score. And I'm looking at my friend Justin like, fam, are you serious? Like, I had no idea. I am 30 at the time, 30 years old, sitting in my own living room, getting game about adding your child on. Because I say this all the time, and um, Shavana knows that I say this all the time. My listeners were here this all the time. Black people are picking up a lot of slack. Um, and I don't want to say slack. Let me, let me change that. A lot of misinformation and knowledge that was not given to us in our community. Whereas other races, specifically white people, have been given financial literacy from the beginning of time. There was a lot of information that was kept from us. And so there are things that we are learning now at 30, 32, 50, 55 years old, right? 
um, that people have been taught since they were three years old, since they were five years old. Uh, and so we have to be very careful because while the, the former generations didn't have that knowledge to teach us, we, they, they worked their asses off to get us where we are so that we could obtain that knowledge, right? So that we could sit here and we have to always be mindful of that and pay homage to those who came before us, our parents, so that we could have this knowledge, right? Um, but I was shocked that there are people that know how to do this and, uh, you're just graduating with 700, 800 credit scores, right? And they're actually teaching them from day one how to do these things. Um, so anyway, I, I just had to add that on because I was shook, like sitting in my own living room, mouth dropped open, jaw on the ground, shook. Um, but my next question, because with not knowing things comes, I mean, it comes a whole bunch of stuff, right? So when you're fixing people's credit, which is what you do, what are some of the biggest mistakes and most common, especially in our community, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see? Well, as I mentioned before, just letting everything go to their credit because they feel like it's damaged anyway. So what more is it going to harm me mm -hmm. to have three or four more things added on? It's going to mm -hmm. harm you quite a bit because a debt or um, uh, late payments and things like that, if, let's say, for example, you have a collection on your account. Well, within the first 24 months, that's the biggest impact that you're having on your credit. So those first 24 months, that new collection is going to ding you all over again. Wow. And so it's like a continuous cycle of getting penalized heavily because you just continue to let things go into default. Instead of, you know, putting your price to the side and making that phone call to the creditor and saying, you know what? Right now, I really just do not have the money. What kind of arrangement can we work out? Can we defer a payment this month if I set up, you know, a future date of payment with you guys? And and really, that our pride is the thing that I see that really holds us back the most from gaining education and with regards to credit and with handling our finances because uh, we don't want to just say I ain't got it. Right. I ain't you just ignore it because the best way, look, if I ain't got it, I ain't got it. Yeah, you finna get ignored. Okay, I'm not finna keep telling y'all I ain't got it. That's why we dodge bill collectors. As soon as we see that scam, likely swerve, right? I done told y'all. I'm not finna keep playing with y'all, right? So we got to put down that pride. We got to call. So I saw a video adding on to that because this is a little confusing for me. So I saw this video the other day and I'm always watching like these financial gurus and folks that just know a whole bunch more than me and use words that I got to look up. 511 times because I don't even understand the definition when I look up the definition. Oh my gosh. Anyway, but one of the dudes said when you call a bill collector or a collection agency, he said, never admit fault. Never admit that you actually owe the debt. What is that about? Have you heard that before? Is that something so like normal? Yes. So what that is about um, if you are in the process, well, this is where I start with my clients, whether they sign up as a monthly person that I handle their restoration or if I give them DIY tips. Um, the first thing I tell them is we don't go in and dispute everything. That's number one. Don't start out that way. You want to start out with requesting verification. By law, anything that is put onto your credit report has to be a verifiable debt. Mm. T-Mobile can know 
all night and all day that you owe them. But if T-Mobile cannot verify that debt in black and white, then they can't put it on your credit report. Now, that's not to say that they can't continue to pursue you for that debt, but they cannot put it on your credit report unless they can physically verify that debt. So you always want to start out first with requesting that verification. And once they do provide that information to you, you still want to look it over even further from there to make sure all the T's across all the I's are dotted and that it's it's legit. You know, they didn't just Photoshop this stuff and slap your signature on there from some other document. Mm. So, yes. You don't want to just come right out and admitting this and admitting that, and not because you choose to be dishonest, but because a lot of the times what they have on your credit report is inaccurate. And so if you come out and you're like, well, I know I owe such and such and such, then from there, they're going to continue to report that inaccurate information because they're like, oh, well, you confirmed it, you verified it, and you're like, wait, no, I should know that I didn't pay something. I didn't say I didn't pay $10,000 worth of something, and that's what y'all have on here. Right. So you really want to be careful with that type of thing, and that's that's really why I see a lot of people end up signing up for the program mm. because they don't want to go through that part of it all. That's a lot of work. I mean... Like, especially when you are someone who's working all the time, you have your own job, trying to figure out what I owed, trying to find an old bill. Okay, this is what I owe. Now you got fees on top of that. That's a lot of work. So I see why people hire you. I did have one problem with the example that you used because you said, you know, what if I owe T-Mobile? But we know from the Dave Chappelle, uh, from the Chappelle Show skit that all black folks owe Sprint. So you should (laughs) have... You know what I'm saying? You really should have used Sprint because we all, you know, we all owe Sprint. You remember that reparations episode when it was like, oh, wait a minute, I'm getting something in. Sprint is now the number one phone company because black people have paid off their... Yeah, so we all know black folks owe Sprint. So we're we trying to get better though, y'all. So so if you have something on your credit, right, that you need to dispute, um, you're telling us, well, first of all, let me just tell the people, for those of us who work... Um, and also it's just a difficult thing to do, right? Like this is not, while it's accessible, the information is accessible. We can easily get to it. We don't always have it on, on hand, right? Like we don't know what that last sprint, cause I'm changing tweet mobile over to sprint. We don't know what that last sprint bill was right for us to say, okay, here I owe $375 to them. So once we start doing that, let's say we've established it, we've gotten the verification, do we always have to pay every debt? Do like is it just automatic? We know now that we we owe it. Do we always have to pay it? So to clean up your file, yes, uh, that's what I suggest. But I suggest that once you have, they have provided you with the proof. That's when you want to work on a paper deletion arrangement where you pay the debt, they delete it. Or you want to try to work out a settlement amount because these collection agencies have purchased these debts for pennies on the dollar. Yep. And, you know, you do not want to pay $5,000 when they only paid $1,000 to buy this debt. You know, so, and, and that is like the very last resort, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to walk in with that mentality. You want to make them prove everything first before you hand over your hard-earned money. Oh, and let's also add on the fact that many times these collection agencies don't even legally own these debts, 
nor are they licensed to collect debts in your state of residence where they are. So that's why it's very important for you to go through the entire verification phase, verify this debt, verify you own this debt, verify that you are legally able to collect in my state. So it's, it's quite a bit before you want to hand over your money to anyone for a debt. Okay, so, but there is a process and, and we should be able to, or try our best to start paying it off. And so I'm going to be really vulnerable for a second because I feel like sometimes when people listen to podcasts or they listen to financial gurus, like, I also want to give you the real, especially on my podcast. So let me, let me just let y'all know about 11 years ago, I bought a car, right? Drove it off the lot. I was early 20s like 21 I don't even know y'all do the math I'm 32 about to be 33 so um so I take the car off the lot I'm super excited and nobody told me and mind you let me just be honest too this was my second car that I drove off the lot um and I knew that it was a struggle paying the car notes I was super young um I wasn't really making enough but that's what people tell you around around you is to go get the car go do this right like you know, everybody want to be, everybody want to flex, right? So I drive this car off the lot, Nissan Altima. She's beautiful. Um, long story short, I end up, uh, I, I go and I serve a mission for my church and I leave the car with a family member. Um, and so the car ended up being repossessed and it was in my name. So here I am. Uh, and I think they said I owed like $10,000 on the car. Y'all, it was a bad deal from jump. Like, I wish I had somebody that sat me down and said, hey, the APR on this is outrageous. You're way too young. These payments are going to be miserable for you. But I just didn't have that. Like, my parents were not able to do that for me. Again, I love them. They're phenomenal. But that's just not something they were like, go get that car. Dude, that's going to be great for you, you know. Um, and so I know better now. And that's okay. We all know better now. But when the car was repossessed, they called me, they sent me letters um, and they said, hey, um, you owe $10,000. And I was like, ain't no damn way I can pay $10,000. There ain't no way. $10,000? Like, I'm sitting here, I'm broke. I didn't have a job at that time. But when I started working, even then, $10,000 is a lot. So I finally said, you know what? Let me stop ducking and dodging, dipping and dodging. Let me just give them a call. So I called them and I say, look, There is no way possible I can pay $10,000. What can I do? So they tell me, they're like, well, let me, let me talk to the manager. You know how they do, right? It's all a lie. So they're like, let me talk to the manager and see. They come back and then tell me, well, what we'll take from you is $3,000. So they moved it from the $10,000 to $3,000. Y'all, when I tell y'all I worked my ass off, I don't think y'all understand I worked so hard to get that repossession, to, to pay back that repossession, to get every, And, you know, you don't get the car back, none of that, but they had already resold it and lived their best life and everything else. But, y'all, when I called and made that last payment, I paid that last payment. And I was like, my husband was driving, and I called, made that last payment. Y'all, I cried. I was driving on the and I cried because of the freedom that came with that. And so at the time, I think my credit score was like a low, I want to say it was probably high 500s, low 600s. That's like, and I'm not even embarrassed to say that now because I worked damn hard to get the credit score that I have now. Um, and my husband had extremely good credit. So uh, for those of you who have 
um, if this is possible for you, if you have a spouse with really good credit and they have a credit card, my husband added me onto his credit card and I shot up like 120 points um, once they reported again, like instantly. But long story short, when that um, repossession came off my credit uh, later, like seven years later, right, my credit score increased even more to like the high 700s. So I was like, oh my gosh. But when we're talking about that and we're talking about the mistakes that we make with our credit, so much of it is, like you said in the very beginning of, of this conversation, is seeing money and going, oh, I can I can do this? Like, you gonna let me do it? So therefore, I can probably do it. But that's not the case because I was robbing Peter to pay Paul when it came to those payments every month. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even though the bank was like, oh, on paper, this looks good. They knew. They knew I was going to struggle making those payments, but they still they still allowed me to do it. So I think one of the biggest things that we mess up with in our community is make, like not knowing things. And then we just we just wild out like we yes. we, we want to flex and we want to look good, but it's not the best financial decision that we can make. So, I, I mean, I appreciate all of that and everything you've been saying, because whew, that that's the, it taught me a lesson when I tell you just to even add to that. What you said is so dead on, because right now, my husband and I, we have a 2009 Dodge Caravan. Yes. 2015 Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. Can can we afford an Escalade in a Mercedes? Yep. Yes. <laughs> but would we hit our savings mark every month? Right. No. We have five-year goals. We have actually one-year goals, mm-hmm. you know? And our goals, our long-term goals are much more important to us than going to buy that Escalade or going to buy that Mercedes so we can look good to the people. No, we're going to keep stacking this money and we're going to hit these goals because we got five kids. Oh, wow. Okay. So we need to have something to leave these children. We have the life insurance and all of that stuff, and, and it is going to leave general. That's going to afford us to leave them generational wealth. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, it now. is, girl. You know we're going to talk about that one too, because you know that's coming up on a podcast. Yes. So we have all these things in place, but right now it's grind season for us. We cannot even begin to go and buy the toys and adult toys that we want to go buy. Oh yeah. <laughs> because. We have savings goals. We have payoff debt goals. Right now, our current goal we're working on is to pay off $70,000 worth of debt in 12 months. Ooh. And we're on track to do it. Oh, my gosh. Look. Oh, my goodness. Y'all are my y'all are, y'all are my heroes. That's all I can say. Yeah, instead of taking that money and going to get that escalator, that boat, or whatever, no, get your life together. Pay off this frivolous debt that you have out here. It's not hurting your credit, but why would you leave it sitting here? Right. You know, y'all are gonna gradually pay, pay it off. Just pay it off and be done with that. You yep. know. So you're so right about that. We're gonna keep driving this '09 Dodge Caravan, baby. And we're gonna keep driving this 2015 Toyota Corolla, 
and we're gonna keep watching that money stack up in the bank account and this debt go down. Y'all are gonna be, you know, that viral post that we love that's like the epitome of black excellence when they're like, I paid off fifty thousand dollars. You just said seventy, so let me just go and give you your seventy. We paid off seventy thousand dollars in twelve months and black folks everywhere will be like, Yes, and collectively snapping and clapping and You know, because we love to see it, but I don't think that, again, this is the purpose of this podcast, right? Like each one teach one. We are trying to figure out how you did it and now put us on game so that we know how, you know what I'm saying? Um, And because of that too, I have to let y'all know, my husband and I have been really blessed to be in positions to save money so that when we, and, and all of it is because, yo, that car situation traumatized me so bad. Like, I don't think people understand, like I, we joke about it and you know, we, like black folks love to joke about repos and like traumatic shit that happens in our life but y'all like that was really like oh my gosh like the idea that i didn't own something that somebody could take something from me and then it affect me negatively really tore me up so with that my husband and i have been really blessed to just work our asses off and do our best to save money and then buy a car cash now not everybody has that opportunity so i get that so I'm not on here trying to tell people, you know, just save all the money. No, but do as much as you possibly can get save as much as you possibly can. That will get you closer to ownership. If you have three thousand dollars that you can put down because you saved that, do it because it's going to get you closer to paying that car off in the end. So we have two cars now, you know, that are paid off, just paid off one last month. So just like you, we've got a goal. We're setting, you know, all these goals, pay that five thousand dollars, that last five thousand just put it on that car. And baby, when I tell you, my husband said, I went to the store, came back right after we paid it off. He said, how the car drive now? I was like, what you mean? He was like, now that it's paid off, how, how I feel? I was like, fam, if you don't go somewhere, it feel like it did when it, okay, it do feel better. I'm not gonna lie. It feel better. <laughs> but that's the thing, like having that ownership. So with that, and, and when you build up your credit too, you set yourself up to be able to get better deals. And that's what I wanted to go into this second part, right? Is what does that look like? Because when we have bad credit, like I said in the beginning, we see all these signs that say good credit, no credit, bad credit, will finance you. What are the pitfalls of those? Like, how can we avoid those places? You know, like what? Give me all the answers to that. Why should I we be worried about that? Question. I love this question because the difference can be you paying an extra 1500 in finances or finance charges and whatnot and interest and whatever on your car that's the exact same car selling for the same price and if i come in with a 500 credit score i'm gonna pay for that same car twice wow meanwhile you only paid an extra 1500 dollars so it, it really I, I know that sometimes desperate you know situations force us into these bad deals I understand that wholeheartedly, but we have got to start saying, you know what? I'm not even going to sign that. I I just can't even bring myself to sign that because it's going to tie me to this for the next 72 months. I have done that. That has been me. I have been the person that went in and got a vehicle with a 15% APR for 72 months. I have been there. Then had the nerve and the audacity to trade that car in when I was upside down on the loan and tack that on to something else. Yep. Listen, I have been there. That is the biggest ball and chain of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, so the best thing you can do is say, you know what? 
I am going to bite the bullet. I'm going to go get this cash car. I'm going to save up some money. I'm going to get this cash car. I'm going to get my credit right. And then I'm going to revisit this thing here again. Because I just can't even bring myself to be locked down in this loan for 72 months with no way out. The only way out for me was that I married my husband with this great second income. And we got all of that mess taken care of. Yeah. And, and if we did, I didn't have to pay it all for the 72 months. But what about those that just have the one income? And you all, you got it. Right. And so you're stuck in that thing. Please don't do it. I literally just had a client call me about this. Her vehicle broke down. It's $1,500 to repair it. She's about 5000 upside down on her loan. Oh. She was telling me, well, because my credit is good now, I can trade it in. Don't you trade that car in? That yep. was the first thing I said. You're five G's upside down. They're going to tack that on mm-hmm. to the next one. Yep. You're going to be paying on this forever in a day. Yes, you're going to get a better APR now because your credit is in a better situation. But 5000 is 5000 Yes. Sacrifice the 1500 now to just pay for the repairs. And don't set yourself up to be paying an extra 5 Gs, not to mention the interest for on top of those 5 Gs. So that whole amount is going to be lumped into there. I appreciate you saying that because when I was 18, I told you guys in the story, I just said that um, this was my second car off the lot, right? The first one I totaled and I had gap insurance and I kind of wanted to throw that in there too. Cause when you said upside down, I feel like uh, there's a whole bunch of people, probably damn near everybody knows what that means. But for anybody who doesn't, it basically means that you owe more on the car than what it's worth. So if you have a car that is worth $2,000, that's the um, Kelly Blue Book value, whatever, right? But you owe 7,000 on it, you're upside down. Like, and so that 5,000 is what she's talking about from from it being valued at 2,000 to you owing seven, that 5,000 you are upside down on. So they have to tack that amount somewhere else, right? Right, exactly. And that is exactly where they're gonna put it on that next loan. So we have to be very careful about that. And that's where the APR um, comes into place too, that interest rate on it. Exactly, exactly. So that is just one of the biggest things I can tell people about auto loans because mm-hmm. I don't think I've had one client that hasn't had a repo. The only reason why I haven't ever at least experienced that is because of, like you said, you know, I had a dad that taught me all of that right. out the gate in regards to at least not getting a, into a payment that I couldn't handle. So that was the one thing that I've always maintained, but everything else I messed up. Yep. So I have to add on to that too, because here's something interesting. I went to Brigham Young University in Idaho, and when I was in college, I had this professor. Um, And because it's a church school, we call all of our professors brothers. So I believe his name was Brother Snell, if I'm not mistaken. But he told us one day in class, and the name of the class, I will never forget. I feel like this should be at every university. Actually, it should start in elementary school, if we're being honest. But the name of the class was Math for the Real World. And so he came in and he was so excited about the class. Now, y'all know, listen, folks hate math. If you don't love math, you hate math. Ain't no in between. Ain't no, I mean, math is okay. No, either you're like, I love numbers and I love, no. Or you're like, fam, don't come at me with that math, right? So I'm the, don't come at me with that math, okay? (laughs) So first day of class, I'm already like dreading it. And his attitude, he was like, Y'all, I'm so excited about this class because I was a math major. 
um, at my university and all of the classes I took, no one taught me about taxes, about mortgages, about APR on cars. No one taught me any of that. And that is all this class is. And so I was like, word? Like, so immediately off the bat, he was like, we are going to learn math for the real world. I'm not going to sit in here and, and, you know, teach our calculus and all of this, whatever. That's great for them. But I am going to teach you real things. And we did. We learned how to do taxes and we learned how to calculate the APR in a car when somebody says, okay, we're going to give you this 15%, 23% APR credit card or car note or whatever it is, car loan, right? Uh, and so doing that math, I was, y'all, I do not think you understand how shook I was when I realized how much of a scam and how much these people can get us for. And our people continually and our community continually, because no one has taught us otherwise, we continue to do it time and time again, car after car, credit card after credit card. And so, I mean, again, we're going to have way more podcasts about, you know, the the credit cards and the car notes and all of that, that, that we're going to talk about. But I was completely surprised at how I was sitting in this class at 24 years old, and this is my first time learning about taxes and learning about, you know, and mind you, I had already gotten my car repossessed at this time. And I'm sitting here like, well, thank you, God, for giving me this information now so that I can move forward and know better. But I mean, and he also taught us, he was like, let me teach y'all how to gamble so that y'all can know the statistics as to how well, you know, or what your likelihood of winning is. Girl, I was like, I left that class like, and I'll never gamble. Thank you, sir. Like, right? And I'm not about that life for losing my money. Thank you, sir. So, but I did appreciate that. Absolutely. So, just to to ask this, what is what are the things that you would absolutely warn us about and say, hey, hey, I, I, I put that back, put it back, put it down. What what would be those things? One thing that I have been seeing that is becoming popular with um, credit repair is people trying to sell trade lines. For anyone who does not understand what trade lines even means, it's any account that you have on your credit. Mm -hmm. So if you have a Wells Fargo credit card, that's a trade line on your credit. Oh, okay. Well, some credit repair um, companies are encouraging their clients to buy trade lines, meaning I, Shavada Frazier, have an account that I have opened for 20 years with a $100,000 credit limit, and you are buying access to my trade line, and so you are added as an authorized user on my card to get... Yes, (laughs) to get the good credit that I have amassed over these 20 years of Mm -hmm. having this credit card. Do not do it and run far away. Okay. Don't do it. (laughs) Another thing, if someone comes to you and says, oh, I can get you a second social, and it will be like your first social went away. Run. Okay. Okay. I don't think I need to elaborate on that one. Yeah. So that's an absolute no-go. And if anyone says, oh, just to clean up all your credit, we're going to do a credit sweep. I just need you to go and get a police report that says you are a victim of identity theft. Give it to me, and then we'll get all this stuff off your credit file, and we'll do a credit sweep. Run far away. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so all of this is just fraudulent things. And I think, you know, here's the thing. Here's my issue, too, because I know that a lot of us listening to this podcast are like, fam, if you don't know that. But that's the issue is that we don't know that we're hearing these things and they sound good because when somebody says, yo, I'm going to hook you up, I'm going to help you out. You know, black folks love a hookup. What? A hookup? And so the first thing we're thinking, right, is, yo, I'm in. But we also have to be mindful and understand that there are a lot of good people being taken advantage of. My mom was one of them. Bless her. God rest her soul. But my mom was one of those people paid somebody like a thousand bucks to clean her credit. Didn't do shit. The guy didn't do anything. She's checking her credit month after month and then just ran off with the money. Like, I mean, she kept trying to contact them, call them, completely ran off. And so you have all these people with these good hearts trying to do better and then, so it's important to go, you know, through somebody credible, right? Um, yes. Which is the whole reason I got Shavada on here, mind you. I'm going to put that plug in in just a second. Carry on, Shavada. <laughs> <laughs> and to speak to that, it is actually against federal regulations to charge upfront for credit repair services. What? So the only thing you can charge upfront are like document processing fees, credit audits, you know, the first things you need to do to assess a person's situation and get a game plan in order. Mm. But you cannot charge them a one-time flat upfront fee. That is against the law. Mm. You have to provide the work first and then you get paid on the back end. And every state has different credit repair laws. And, for example, Georgia, you cannot even practice credit repair unless you are a nonprofit. And I believe it's a realtor. But don't quote me on that. I'm not an attorney. Um, Some people are permitted to practice credit repair under certain situations. And I know the main one is it has to be um, through a nonprofit or if you're a real estate agent, something along those lines. So every state is different. So what you may hear me saying today may not even be applicable for your state. But the one thing that is federal is you cannot charge upfront fees. See, and that's, again, that's something I wish I'd known because I could have red flagged that to my mom and been like, Ma, no, don't pay this man. That's not what that is. But when you don't know, you know what I'm saying? And again, I say this all the time when my mom told me, when you know better, you do better, right? So that's the whole purpose of this podcast. We're trying to know better. We're trying to do better. Um, Yes, because many people disguise that as, oh, it's your your document processing fees and it's $550. Right. Hey, do you really think the FBI is that crazy to think that you didn't just charge them a one-time upfront fee right. with that $550? Right. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. So here we go. Because to wrap everything up, we have, Shavada, you have even taught me, and I be watching, uh, girl, every finance video I can come across, right? Because you know they just be looping on YouTube. Then you go down the finance hole and you just be, whoo. Anyway, long story short. <laughs> I watch a lot of, of videos, you know, try to read the books, try to do everything that I possibly can to get this knowledge. And you still have taught me today, right? So I can't give y'all the bootstraps without the joy. Can you please tell me the joy that have that you have seen, that you have enjoyed, all of that good stuff from watching people fix their credit to having good credit, all of that stuff. What does that look like, Shavada? Because we need to see some light at the end of the tunnel, boo. Yes, my top client that stands out to me is actually someone that you know, and she's posted publicly on Facebook about her journey. What? Mind me sharing. My Aunt Nikki, Latasha. Yes! Listen, Aunt Nikki is my Aunt Nikki too. Y'all know black folks, we grew up with the same aunties. (laughs) So Aunt 
Nikki. Yes, shout out Aunt Nikki. Okay, go for it. Yes, you know, Aunt Nikki taught us as children. So for me to be able to pour back into her after she poured yes. into Yes. Remember I told y'all earlier. Sorry, Shabbat, I got to cut you off again. I'm so sorry. But remember I told y'all earlier about Pee Wee football and drill team. She was our my coach. <laughs> and so, you know, as black folks, you just become auntie and niece and nephew and uncle and all of that. So uh, I'm telling y'all, Pee Wee football and drill team is the connect, okay? It's the plug. So we are. So I'm so happy that you were able to do that. Okay, carry on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You good? You good? <laughs> oh no, yes. As she, like you said, she ain't my aunt, aunt, but that's my aunt. Yes. Like, I might have to do something to you, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but just being able to return the favor and just say thank you in that way. For her to trust me on that level uh, to support my business, she was one of my first clients. Yes. On. I had no proof of what I could do. I had no reviews. I, love I had it. nothing to show that I could really do this. But her faith in me and her belief in me and knowing my character and knowing my level of integrity and things like that, she trusted me with her one of her most precious things, which is her credit. And so I am so beyond excited to see not only was I able to help her get her credit score high enough to get approved for a home loan. Oh, my God. I was able to connect her to a veteran friend of mine for her to even start her home search with a trustworthy individual that would not take over, you know, or get over on her throughout her home. Shavada. I did not. I listen. I'm trying so hard not to cry. Y'all finna get these tears on this podcast. <laughs> if y'all knew yeah. Nikki, she she deserves every ounce of it. So and just like what you were saying, yo, that is black wealth in the making. That is generational wealth in the making. Again, a whole other podcast. But that credit, the joy that comes from that is generational wealth, y'all. That's what we're trying to get y'all to see. All of this game that we're giving you for free. Free 99 today, all of this info that you're getting, right? Now, the services, they Shavada can talk to you about that. But <laughs> but today, all this game is free, right? And so to be able to do that and to create generational wealth, I hope that for those of you listening who have said, you know what, I don't even know, I'm, I'm 40 minutes in and I, I haven't learned anything new. But have you taught somebody, though? Have you looked around and said, yo, I know your credit is jacked up. Let me teach you what I know. Because that is the whole purpose of this. I'm going to keep saying it throughout. Y'all, y'all going to get, y'all going to, I'm going to get on y'all nerves. Y'all going to be like, she said each one, teach one, one more time. And I'm going to be like, well, each one, teach one. So anyway, so that's the joy. So any, anything else you wanted to add, Shavada, to that? Just like you said from the beginning, you know, this is about teaching everyone that we know about credit right. we can have the knowledge all night and all day but what are you doing to get back and right. making sure our future generations have the knowledge tuesday nights for me and my son who's 14 and a half that's finance night right we get on the zoom he lives with his dad so we get on the zoom we go over whatever the assignment was for that week. Do your kids know how to manage a, a checkbook? Mm -hmm. I mean, to keep up with, with what's in his account. My son has managed his, his uh, bank account so well that he spent exactly down to zero dollars. Oh, wow. Oh, he a champ. <laughs> how he did it, I have no idea. I was like, did you tell them this is all you had left and that's what they charged you? He was like, nope. <laughs> It was by the grace of God that it was $10.81, and that's what I had in my account. <laughs> I said, don't you transfer not a dime from that savings account. Don't you 
You gotta hit him with that. Ah, ah. <laughs> Listen. You know, so my main thing that I hope you all take away from this is give this back to someone, a cousin, if you don't have kids, your baby cousin, or even your auntie or uncle. Right. Maybe just not there. They didn't get it. So, you know, just give this knowledge out to everyone you know to right. make sure they know. Um, adding on to that, too, because... Um... I was going to ask you how we as black folks can set our kids up for the future, but we kind of hit on it with the credit card and lots of different things. But I had to add this to, I have a five-year-old. Um, and what we've started doing is we started giving her a hundred dollars a month. Now, listen, some people may be like, that's a lot of money for a five-year-old and other folks that's bothering may be like, that's nothing. I don't want to discuss that part. All I'm saying is that's the amount we give her. Naomi has no concept of how much that is, how little it is, how much it is, right? So, but what she does understand is that at five years old, right, we've entrusted her with this amount of money. And when she says, mommy, daddy, I want this, we go, well, you only have X amount of dollars left. Do you still want it? And so what we're doing right now is giving her and letting her into the budget. Because I think growing up, one of the worst things... Um, that my parents did, I know, don't don't hurt me, but was always tell us, we ain't got money for that. We ain't got money for that. We ain't got money for that. Um, but I'm like, dang, you be working hard and I never got no money. Like, where is everything going? So, I, girl, I know. So, you be, you know, you be looking at your parents like, what is going on? But at the end of the day, you know, I, I told myself, I'm going to let my daughter into the budget. And we told ourselves, we're going to let our daughter into the budget as much as she can possibly get. So right now, what she doesn't understand is what $100 looks like, what it is. But what she does understand is I have a certain amount of money. And if I ha and when my parents ask me, do I want this? I have the money. And if they tell me you don't have enough for that, then I can't get it. So at five years old, we're already trying to teach the discipline that you are. So by the time that they're how, how old is your son? 14, you said? 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Because, you know, they, they got to put the half in their booth. 14, 14 and three quarters. You'd be like, can you shut up? Anyway, so, but that's the whole thing, right, is we're trying to, to make it to where they understand and it's line upon line, right, so that they can actually understand even more. And by the time she's seven and she goes, okay, I only got $7 left, but I want this $75 bike, well, you're just going to have to wait till next month and accumulate more, right? Um, and that's the discipline that we need to be instilling in our kids now so that they can know what generational wealth looks like so that we're not just saying, hey, we ain't got money for that. We can say, hey, you know how mommy and daddy said we only wanted to spend this amount this month? Well, we spent it. It's already been allocated to different places and we don't have it anymore. And so that is what I have learned. Um, and again, just trying to communicate with our kids and you can start this at any time. Please do not think, well, my kids 12, 15, 16 is too, it's too late. We didn't already pass this, you know, it's never too late to start teaching them finances. It is never too late to start teaching them how to deal with money. So with that being said, Shavada, I have to, and you know, I like to be transparent. I want y'all, I want everybody in a mamas, but everybody in a black mama to have good credit. Okay. And I am giving y'all, I'm going to have Shavada give her information because she is someone I know that has integrity. And I just look up to her so much. And I know that she has the best heart and she's always going to keep her client's best interest at hand. So please tell us, how can we communicate with you? How can we get in touch with you? Because the hope is if anything is messed up on people's credit, they go, look, at least I know somebody that I feel is trustworthy 
um, that can help me out. So Shavada, give us all your information. What what can we do? Yes, thank you so much for those kind words too. I, I love you, sis. But Girl, I love you. <laughs> people can call me at 888-351-9201. One more time. 888-351-9201. Why am I over here dancing? Okay, I don't know. That's how we do. It's black folks. We make everything a song. <laughs> and the website is www.fraziercreditsolutions.com. That's Fraser with a Z, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. So FraserCreditSolutions.com. And I also have a business Facebook page as well. You can reach out to me through any of those avenues. One thing I do want everyone to take away is when you go to the website, obviously this is a business if you're looking and you're like, man, I can't afford this. I need this. Call me. Okay. I'm in the helping business. I'm not in the, you ain't got the coins. I can't help you business. Okay. Hey, come on, man. So, call me anyway. Just let me know what's up. Let me know your situation and we'll do what we can do to service you. But the main thing is taking that first step. Okay. Don't just look and say, I can't afford this. Well, guess what? I have budgeting services. <laughs> we can start you here yes. and work you up to where you can afford to do these things like this, you know? So, Shavada, where, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off, but where where are we starting? Like, when we say, like, starting prices to, like, the max, like, a month or what What are we dealing with? Because I know a lot of people are going to hear and be like, they still ain't told us nothing. We got a call. What, what does that look like? <laughs> so, budgeting services can start out as low as $75. Okay. And we have credit repair packages that go all the way up to $169 a month, depending upon what you need. But what I'm excited to introduce that is not even up on my website, so this is kind of like an exclusive. <laughs> oh, come on in. You know, I love some exclusive. We feel a VIP. Come on in. Yes. <laughs> I have partnered with a company to where I can now offer my clients a service to speak directly with an attorney regarding <gasps> any matters that they may have. Yes. So that I'm all about credibility. I'm all about getting people the right answers, not what I think based upon my research. But this is this has excited me so much to be able to offer this to yes. my clients to where they can literally press a button and be on a phone on their phone talking to an attorney in regards to a situation. If you have a landlord tenant problem where they're charging you all this money and they're threatening to put this on your credit and things like that, so if you can get in front of these kinds of things. Yes. Or have medical bills and they keep sending you these bills every month and you're telling them that hey y'all messed up i have insurance and they're threatening to put this on your credit you can press a button from your app and be on the phone with an attorney shivada listen i'm excited you finna have black folks acting a fool we finna be listen you know we live for the um excuse me you'll be hearing from my lawyer you know the fact that we finna be able to say that stop playing girl we finna be real bougie let me I'm going to buy a chinchilla. You remember the 90s when the rappers was wearing chinchilla coats? Girl, I'm going to sit up in here <laughs> with a chinchilla coat. Talking about, uh, first of all, I have a lawyer. So the, you'll be here for my attorney. Exactly. Exactly. Y'all, we in there. Black folks going to be, listen, don't play. We going to have lawyers. No, no. Lawyers ain't good credit, Shavada. Stop playing. Stop. Stop. Girl, girl. <laughs> this, this is my drop the mic part. To add on, the attorney services is only twenty five ninety five a month. Stop! I'm gonna have a lawyer and get credit for twenty. You playing? You playing? 
I'm done. I'm gonna be real bougie. I'm gonna wear shades on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Just the sunglasses. I can't. I can't afford like Gucci's and Uglies. But I'm gonna give me like some some uh what you call them from the from the beauty supply house. I'm gonna get the ones from beauty. They be looking good. So I'm gonna put them on with my chinchilla coat. And ain't nobody gonna tell me nothing because boo, I got a lawyer. Okay, so walking around talking about can't nobody tell me nothing. Hello, yeah, I'm gonna pass out in this Texas heat. I'm gonna be checking my mail, my chinchilla. Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait. But listen, y'all, I am so excited, Shavada. You know I love you from the bottom of my heart and soul. I appreciate you. All of these services, y'all, we gotta take advantage. Like. We on the come up and like in the words of Angie Thomas in her book, we on the come up. Okay. We can do this. So please make sure you follow me at Black Joy and Bootstraps on Instagram and Facebook. Um, on Twitter, it's BLK Black Joy and Boots. You know, Twitter be cutting us off. I don't know why they do that to us, but Black Joy and Boots, BLK for Black. Um, I appreciate y'all. Again, if you already know this information, each one, teach one. Thank you.